And welcome back to another episode. We've had so much fun. We're sorry we missed you guys last time, but every once in a while, life happens to us. So we're back again, and we've got so much. This is going to be a super, super full week. April is almost over. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it is when I looked at my schedule. So we're going to head off, and we're going to start with our tea. And Melinda has like, I don't know what in her cup, but I've got the same thing in mine. So she's going to tell us what we got. So today's tea of the week is cannabis tea to start off our April month, um, 420. Woohoo. So this I actually got from, um, magic treasures online located in Massachusetts from our dear friend, Aisha, who works there. I ordered it online. Um, and it actually has like it has some cannabis in it, but it also has like echinacea in it and lemon peel. It has a lot of really good stuff in it. That's really good for like antioxidants and immunity. And that's actually what it's for really is immunity. Um, which, well, I'm jealous because I ordered mine and I'm still waiting on it because I ordered after you. You'll, you'll get it soon. And you, I won't, I don't, you won't be disappointed, but um. And of course, so this one in particular focuses on immunity. They also have one that is um, for moon cycle tea. So that's really good um, for women's health and, you know, that time of the month. But um, Melinda, is this legal everywhere? So it's very small amounts. So it's not anything that's going to, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything but relax me. It's really, it really doesn't feel any different than if you had chamomile, honestly. But you're getting the benefits of the plant. And it is legal for everybody to order. It's on the website. Yes, it's on the website. Yes. There you go. That was um, a question because I know a lot of states, there's a big controversy with what they're allowing in and cannabis and all that kind of that's only That's only from what I understand. That's only if it's like in bulk, like pure cannabis over a certain amount. If it's something that's in a blend, um, such as this, I mean, they're already in tea bags with the string on it, with the honey sticks in the little bag. And it comes with the little crystal. I got a tiger's eye, (laughs) but, um, yeah. So, so no, nothing like that. Um, but it's really, it's actually very yummy. Um, and of course with my allergies, I could always use immunity boosters. Um, so, so it's actually really good. I, it comes with like five honey sticks. I don't even need the honey sticks, honestly, because it has enough ingredients. I really, really enjoy it. But of course you can always add that sweetness. I I typically don't need a lot of sweet for my herbal teas i can just drink them as they are unless it's like you know yeah or like my listeners know me in black licorice and licorice root so i have to have my my honey um yeah so um just to go over some of the medicinal aspects like we always like to do with the teas um where do i begin (laughs) so honestly i'm such a huge advocate for cannabis because i mean you can you can research. There's so many benefits, um, even with CBD without the THC. And we'll get into that a little bit later, but I mean, it's good for stress relief, anxiety, insomnia, pain. You know, people are using it for cancer when they're going through chemo. It's an appetite stimulant. You know, it's 
because people are losing weight. I mean, there's so many things. Parkinson's, it's helping people with epilepsy. It's helping with children that uh, have lupus, issues. If you have lupus or fibro, mm -hmm. that's another avenue that you can look at too for some relief. Oh yeah, PTSD. I mean, the list goes on. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, migraines, depression, the whole thing. And you don't get the side effects. Now, of course, ask your doctor, as we always, always, always say, and everybody's body is different. So just like anything else, my reaction is might be different than someone else's reaction. But it's you know, not I have to say, with a lot of people, they don't understand that. But um, because, oh, it's a drug. If you go to a bar, don't get me started. <laughs> okay. And you, I mean, you are, cause we're going to talk about that too, but <laughs> right. But if you go to the, to a nightclub and you have a drink, it's going to affect you a certain way. It's right. going to affect the person next to you, maybe differently than you. Oh, yeah. We all know those people that one glass of wine and they're on the floor mm -hmm. and the others like two bottles later and they're still standing. And a lot of people, I mean, yes, it does have to do with your weight and stuff like, I mean, yes, of course that has stuff to do with it, but then there's also people that could be the same weight and they're still a lightweight. So, I mean, yes, to your point, everybody reacts differently and, you know, always, always check and make sure just like all of the herbs that we've talked about, it doesn't mean that it, you're necessarily, but I can I mean, I can say with confidence in, in for myself, because I can only speak for myself, I, I mean, it's the bee's knees. There's no side effects, you know, other than happiness and pain relief and all good side effects. You certainly don't get the long list that you hear in the commercials of all the pharmaceuticals that your, your doctor yeah, like, is. Take this and you will die. And that are always worse than the thing you're treating. <laughs> so yeah. it's like <laughs> you could but, develop a severe allergic reaction and die. And you're like going, Oh my God. <laughs> right. 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 So, I mean, it's, it's really, I mean, it's really good stuff. I wanted to talk about the starting the sh our April show out because you know, it's national cannabis month 420 holiday. So I thought that would be fun to talk about. As far as magical, um, you can use it really, again, it's intention. So if you're looking it up, you're not going to find a ton like you would on like mugwort or rose hips or, you know, you can look on Pinterest and you'll find a bunch. I mean, but just from what I've researched and what I know, just using it myself, um, it's very good for when you're doing intentions or spell work for like peace rituals. Um, I mean, if you think about it, even stereotypically, I mean, people are usually chill and unified and peace, love and, you know, all that. But so it's good for like positivity, unity, peace um, and things like that. Love, you know, those type of positive aspects, purification. Well, you can even for healing. Yes, because if you think about it, it has the medicinal aspect, so you can also use it in magical workings if you're using it for healing or spell for healing. Right. You could use it in the same way. And a lot of people don't realize you can also smudge with cannabis. Oh, really? I did not yeah. know. 
it's up to the person's preference whether or not they feel like they're wasting it rather than, you know, consuming it. But yeah, I can see that fight going on in your brain right now. (laughs) You can do it, though. You can. It's very and what we're what we're going to be talking about tonight or what I'll my part of what I'll be talking about tonight is some of the history on cannabis, because it's a very spiritual practice and it has been for thousands and thousands and thousands of now, years. Now, would this be something that you could use for a psychic tea? Oh, absolutely. Because I'm absolutely. just thinking you need to sometimes, I mean, our world is so stressful that sometimes we need to, I don't know, wind down to get to our psychic level anymore. The way that I always look at it, it when you're thinking about cannabis, I mean, even if you have to sort of like dumb it down for lack of a better term, if you think about the stereotypes of cannabis, even um, how you're laid back, you're chill, you're mellow. If you think of it sort of as that, as a reminder. So anything having to do with like meditation, third eye chakra, you, you know what it's really good for? Shadow. Shadow. Oh, yes. The the really good thing. And when you meditate, when you consume and then you meditate or you do like a past life or a soul retrieval or a past life regression, I mean, it really does have the ability to take you to a different level. And it's not anything scary. It's not anything, you know you're really are connecting and on a much deeper level with your higher self is just allowing you easier access to in my, in my point of view, right. It's allowing you easier access, you know, cause me personally, I work full time. I have kids running around here. TV's blank. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Meditating is not easy for me. I mean, I, I try to meditate in the morning. I got a four year old walking in here, you know, 10 minutes into it. And I'm just like, I even off of Amazon bought door hangers that says meditation in progress and told my kids, if this is on the door, do not come in mommy's room. (laughs) I mean, so so, they have to come in, right. To check, to see if the, if the thing hanging on there really meant for them not to come in. Really meant it. So that being said for people, and I have squirrel brain because like I'll start meditating and I'm like, Oh my gosh, did I, you know, did I make that doctor's appointment or did I rearrange that? You know, that's how I, my brain, I have a hard time just calming down, you know? And so for me, a lot of times guided meditations will help me because then I can focus on the voice and the guidance. So that usually really well, helps. I was me. asking because seriously, even at my age, I don't have children running around, but you've got a million little squirrels up in your head running on the little wheels mm-hmm. and for me to really meditate, I need to, I come home from work. I'm, I'm an accountant. So I come home like, yes, I'm going to kill people. So it's like, I have to have that decompress, but it takes a long time. Yeah. You don't decompress in five minutes. So I'm thinking if I came home, ate, made the tea, then by that point I should be able to, and that's why I was asking about a psychic tea because some of the psychic teas out there, um, I have lupus, I have contraindications, which means a lot of stuff I cannot use. Right. Um, 
And obviously it's with a lot of the psychic stuff. So I have to be really, really picky about, and it's terrible because I see psychic tea. No, I can't have that. I can't have that. I can't have that. So by the time I get done taking all the little stuff out, I can't have, there's nothing left that I can't have. Right. Right. So that's why I was asking about that as a psychic tea, because for me, I can do the cannabis. Mm -hmm. And if it's going to bring me down enough, like de-stress me from oh, yeah. all day. Then well, and it also depends. Oh yeah. And it also is going to depend, you know, there's, it's, so it's such a complex plant, right? It's mm. got so many things, you know, and, and people are learning more and more about it. You know, it used to just be, well, first of all, I mean, it, it never was even cannabis. It was never, you know, all the fun strains that are out there, which I love, by the way, I love all the names and all the cutesy, all the stuff, but, um, you know, so we, so it's evolved so much with a lot of progress that we've been, that, that we've had, we still have a long way to go. We do have a long way to go, but we're getting there. We're getting there slowly, but surely. But we're talking, um, we're de-stressing with the cannabis. Then we have the echinacea to build up our immune system behind that. So right. de-stressing actually saves your cells. Believe it or not, when you stress, you burn oh, out and you burn cells, you burn brain cells, you actually burn off your body cells in stress. And like we talked back in the shadow, I think it was the shadow work where we were talking about that mind-body spirit connection and how one is connected to the other. So if you're stressed constantly, you're going to at some point make yourself physically sick. And I mean, you can, I mean, you can see it time and time again in people. Um, and that's why self-care is so important. So if you're needing to, so back to my point, it's such a complex plant, you know, there, a lot of times when you go nowadays, especially, you know, where it's not legal in your state, or let's just say medical, like here in Florida, um, you, you will have your choice of like sativa, hybrid and indica. So it depends on what you're wanting out of it. And what I mean by that is, so a sativa is going to have you more alert, more productive, more creative, more going, you know, uh, an indica, which <laughs> is such an easy way to remember you know what I'm going to say? I know. In the couch. It means you're in the couch. You are couch locked. Usually, of course, all depending on how much you have. But what that is, is so sativa is more of like the head high, which is keeping you productive and creative. So it's, it's up here. And the indica is the body high. So if you are wanting to meditate, I would probably say, and of course, again, I'm not a doctor, do your research, talk to your doctor. But in my opinion, like if I'm going to meditate, I'm going to do an indica because it's going to relax my whole body. And it's also good for insomnia. So if you have things like insomnia, which I have very badly, um, it's going to help with that. So typically, if you have insomnia, that's going to be something that you take at night. You don't want to take that if you're like it during the car to drive down to the beach. (laughs) Yeah. And you, yeah. And you shouldn't definitely not be driving. Um, when you're, when you're under the influence, we want, 
make that clear. Um, but so for something like meditating, an indica would be good because, I mean, there's been plenty of times where I'm like, I have meditated and I'll have like it completely dark in my room with just a black light on. And I'll be listening to like, you know, a meditation or just like nature sounds or binaural beats or something. And I feel like I'm sinking into my bed, but it's such a great calming feeling and I can actually meditate and I can focus on nothing else, but just being present. And it, it's such a great feeling that you just don't get, you know, you don't get anywhere. I'm not like seeing, you know, I'm not seeing like gnomes and trolls and, you know, it's not like psychedelics in that sense. No those are different. No, no, those are different. And there's nothing wrong with any of those, but this is a different, <laughs> this is a different uh, plant here. Um, so, but, and then a hybrid is going to be obviously a combination of the two where it's going to give you a little bit of both that head and body. Um, you know, which I you can also do for the hybrid where the sativa is very, I'm on the money. My hybrid is more of my relaxing, not my sleeping, but more right. of my wind down. It's almost like the glass of wine at the end of the day mm -hmm. kind of feeling because you're alert, but right. you're finally starting to de-stress your body's right. finally saying, okay, we're going to get rid of all this tension, your muscles, we're going to relax you, but you're very alert when that happens. So that, that, that hybrid is a little different, but I, I find that better for meditation for me because I'm clear, but I'm rested. I'm, I'm exactly. not rested, de-stressed, I think is a better term. Yeah. And that's why I said a hybrid would be a good one too, because you're, it's both your mind is relaxed and so is your body. So it would be perfect. Um, and you know, there's so many different things that you don't realize it can really help in your spiritual and magical life. Um, but it really does. I, I don't want to give too much away because it's going to be a future show, but, um, just but there really is, touch on it. there's, there's just a lot. I mean, you can go on YouTube and there are really amazing videos of people doing yoga. I mean, yoga with cannabis is a thing. I mean, it is a thing. It's really, people are really opening up to it not being a drug. You know what I mean? It's a plant. I think we're taking away the, um, and I hate to say it, guys, growing up, my age group, it was Cheech and Chong up in smoke that was oh, my favorite movie yeah that that is everybody's when you say, for, okay so go. for your for you it's cheech and chong for my generation it was half baked with okay, half -baked. with yeah, so same difference so but yeah i love it. but you grow up with that and that's where your mind is because that's your first uh, it's your first foray into it in a non uh, non-group environment. You go to the movies, you watch Up and Smoke, you laugh about it. Yeah, we had a good time. But you keep that in the back of your head and that becomes your stereotypical stoner. And mm -hmm. then you start actually, okay, you, you start getting old. Don't do mm -hmm. that if you can help it. Um, and you start, your body starts breaking down. I mean, I'm not lying. It breaks down. And yeah. then you start 
understanding um, there's so many drugs out there for everything. Um, right. But you have to understand what works for you. Like you keep saying, talk to your doctors, ask those silly questions. But when you find something that works, and especially at my age, nothing mm -hmm. works. Your body does not work. You get up in the morning and it's like, really, are we going through this? Yeah, yeah. Right, right. You know, and you guys laugh at me. Um, I've been told I have, I'm a high energy person. I have to be, I run around like a crazy person all the time, but you do have those periods where my body, I'm getting older. Um, I do have underlying conditions. So it's like, okay, I have to be careful with what I do. I have to watch things, but then you get like, well, I want to go there and I want to do this. And it's like, but my body's mm -hmm. like not happening. Yeah. If you can medicate the body, not to go beyond, but just to get you from one place to the other, um, you have to start deciding what you're going to put in your body. And like you said, it is mind, body, and soul. Can you justify the chemicals in your body? Can you relate to those chemicals? And how are those chemicals going to ultimately be with you? There are certain drugs that build up in the liver over a period of time. Um, right. You have to have tests done to make you sure. You have to be careful even with ibuprofen and Edsense. Um, you can't have too much of that because it thins the lining of your stomach and that's an over-the-counter that anybody, you know, it's just, we're so trained about certain things in our society that if we don't take the time to do the research ourselves, we just, we don't know any better. We just don't know any yeah. better. And, and I, and like I call everybody out there, be your own advocate because no one is going to advocate for you at your doctor's office. Um, no. You sit there and the, the doctors, and I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of doctors, the only reason they know about the drugs they're prescribing is because those people have come into their office, the reps have, and they might have it on their pad. They might have a ruler. They might have a pen with a name on it. There are so many new drugs every day. There's no way a doctor can keep up with them. Let's be really, really frankly honest. So they're prescribing something they were told might help you. So I had a friend tell me she was in nursing school and the doctor that she worked with um, said he point blank told her they do not teach us how to prevent illness in medical school. They only teach us how to treat it. Now, if you go so back there before, <laughs> before all of this, when we were, you know, hunter gatherers, if the shaman didn't keep you healthy, he did not get paid. Now right. think about that. You didn't pay him if you were sick. You only paid him if you were healthy. Right. His, that was his whole job was to keep your butt healthy. So when you look at this kind of thing, now you don't have a shaman to advocate for you. You don't have anybody who can, uh, unless you have, like I have a daughter who's got a mouth bigger than mine. So <laughs> if I go to the doctor and she goes, trust me, he knows everything. But mm -hmm. if you don't have somebody and you're going in, you really need to do just a little bit of research. Do not become a PhD in Google, no. but look at some of the stuff. I mean, you have to decide what side effects you're willing to put up with.
Yeah. What are you? Well, and just like with any, and just like with anything, if you're wanting to, if you're using it for medical purposes, you know, it's going to take time for your body to, you know, adapt to it, to build up a tolerance, you know, you have to see. And also again, it's so complex. So it depends on if that is something that you want to do for medical purposes, you know, a gummy is going to be different than smoking a pipe is going to be different than having a brownie that you made homemade from concentrate is going to be different from wax that you dabbed in. It's so different. The potency is different. The duration is different. The onset is different. It's different. So that's why I'm saying it's even the route you take it, you, you know, it's just an experiment you have to research, but if it's for yourself and if you're not in a recreational state and you're in a medical state like we are really really do your research because unfortunately and i don't think this is a secret we know how big pharma is don't get me started but you unfortunately sadly um not all doctors are advocates for cannabis right a lot of them are in it for the money because they know that people are going to want their licenses. They're going to come to them. And I've seen it firsthand. I've, I've heard it from other, you know, clinics who are advocates and that have seen it from primary care physicians. And it's really sad because people need medicine and they don't want to be on opioids and they don't want side effects and they don't want all these other things. But if your primary care doctor is telling you that they're going to charge you a crazy amount for a consultation for your medical marijuana license and you don't know any better, how are you supposed to know that that's not the same thing anywhere you go? You know, how are you supposed to know that if you go down the street to, to a a clinic, that's not necessarily your primary care doctor, but is an MD, you, you go, you pay like your state license fee and, a, you know, whatever the doctor charges, which is far less than your primary did. And then you go once a year instead of every two months paying $200. I mean, that's also a facet people have to think about, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad. It's really sad. Well, the other thing you have to think about too, and Financially, I mean, I'm coming into the age now where, you know, we've got to watch our finances because as we get older, your prescriptions can be 50% of your income. And when you're looking, and this is a reality for people my age, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Look at the numbers. Many people forgo eating in order to get their prescriptions because they are so expensive. Um, The only bad thing about the medical marijuana is it's not covered by any prescription plan yet. Yet. And that is because it's still federally illegal. It's still federally illegal. Now you've got to weigh your options. If you're paying X number of dollars out anyway, and you've got side effects you can't deal with, then taking those dollars and turning them this way might be a better way for you to get through the issue that you're having. Always check with your doctor, find a doctor. 
And this is what people don't understand. Doctors are people. They really are. They go to the bathroom like we do. So you have to look at them because they're going to have their pros and their cons, just like everybody else. If you're yeah. seeing a doctor who says, oh, never would I prescribe for that. And if you're thinking about it, then you're like, maybe I need to change primary care. Maybe mm -hmm. I need to talk to a doctor who can talk to me. And you should do that for any, anything. If you yeah. don't agree with your doctor, your doctor says, here, we're going to put you on this. Why? What's it going to cost? Right. What's it going to do? What's the side effects and why am I taking it? You need right. to be your own advocate. And sometimes it's very difficult for people my age because we were taught doctors are one step below a God. Mm -hmm. they and go you don't. And the older yeah, folks usually right. have the same doctor for like 30 years. You know, they right. don't, they don't typically change it unless they move. Right. And then the doctor gets to know you. So he's ignoring 90% of what you're saying. And I can tell this is a true story. Um, my first husband's grandmother was, she always complained with her stomach and we could never, you know, yeah, 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 we know. And let's be honest, she was an old lady. She lived by herself. So we thought it was a little bit of attention. Come to find out she had ovarian cancer and it had metastasized into her intestines. Now she saw the same doctor for, I don't know, 30 years, same mm -hmm. doctor. So here she's going to this doctor and he's totally ignoring her because it's like, I've heard this for a year now. She got sick, collapsed. We had to take her to the hospital and come to find out she had cancer. He never suspected because he stopped listening. Mm, yeah. It's so, sad when that happens. And I'm saying truly, if you go to your doctor for whatever reason and you don't feel like they're listening, they're paying attention or they're not focused on what you feel is important, then you know what? Maybe it's time to go back and figure out who you need to see. Yeah. And that's across yeah. the board for anything. Exactly. And I'm going to touch. So next week's episode, I'm going to be going more into medical um, aspects of cannabis. So tonight is history. But just to give you a teaser, I listened to a really great TED talk. Um, and I will, I'm going to have the details more next week because I cannot recall her name at the moment. I'm sorry. Um, but she is, a, she was a doctor and she did a Ted talk about how we have in our anatomy, an endocannabinoid system that, you know, we're, we, that are left out of health books. We're not taught this in school. So most people don't even know this about our own bodies. We're taught our integumeri, you know, our integumeri system, our skin, our nervous system, our, you know, our cardiovascular system. We learn all about that fun stuff. But there's a whole system in our body that we have that reacts to cannabis. And that's why it works so well with our bodies. And that's why our bodies react the way that it does, because we have receptors in our brains that respond to the cannabinoids in the plant. So when we consume it, it is reacting to our natural body system and it is creating those changes. So you mean to tell me that in my body is already pre-programmed 
to accept the cannabis into it. Yes. Okay. You genetically, have, I'm programmed to take in cannabis. Yes. We have cannabinoid receptors in our brains that react to the molecules of All the right. cannabis. You have I'm going to go into it next me. week. I'm okay. going to go into it next week. I promise I know, you. but I have to know, this is my question because I mean, look, I, I was born in the fifties, so I'll give you that much of a clue, but we were always told, I mean, anybody watch Reefer Madness lately? Um, that it was disappointed when I finally saw it. I thought it was going to be so much more outrageous than it was. And I was like, this is what was, this yeah, is what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> but you're way telling me that I'm already built and programmed to accept this into my body for my body to use as needed where it's needed. So yes. it's already done up here. So all I have to do is put it in here and move on mm -hmm. from that point. Okay. Yeah. Because and that's why I'm learning more and more every day. I, I will tell that's you. Why it, that's why it has the healing effects that it does. Because we're all programmed. And there's been zero, zero fatalities in the history of the plant. It has never, ever been Kill a documented it. death, ever. Now, if you are, <laughs> caveat, if you're like doing stunts off the roof while you're high, that's a different story. That wasn't the plant. That was stupidity. So let's just be clear about that. <laughs> let's separate stupidity from the plant. Right, right, right. So, I mean, but yeah, I mean, and you know, you, and like I said, I'll get into it more next week with the statistics and things, but yeah, zero. And yes, we will talk more about that because I'm I was interested because all of these years now I've been around Woodstock. Yes, I was there. Yes, I remember all that good stuff. No, I don't. But if <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you guys, if anybody said they went to Woodstock and they remember it, they're lying through their teeth. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, you get this in your mind. I mean, come on, let's look at it. You get Tommy Chong, let's be real. Okay. You get Cheech Marin going, Oh yeah. You know, that kind of a thing. But I'm, I'm in the, the position of saying that it's not that way. And yeah. our bodies are already set up for it. So give me a little history about why we can't use it. So the history, and actually there's a lot of good information. So I found some of it on history.com. I found a couple of different sources, which history, if you go to history.com and you look up um, history of cannabis, there is like a little three minute video that shows an actual little clip of a film that was done in the 1930s that was uh, made against prohibition and uh, the, the, or for prohibition, excuse me, for cannabis. And I mean, I, I watched it, of course, and it has little like snippets of facts and things like that. Um, and it was really interesting, but you know, it was the facts laid over this ridiculous black and white <laughs> film about, you know, yeah. Tommy, 
Tommy got high with his friends and he wanted to murder his brother and, uh, or, you know, just dumb stuff like that. And, and it was like, uh, and Tommy almost died cause he was out and he was high and he was, uh, I figured out a new way to break Coke bottles and he, he like smashed it on a windowsill and was drinking with broken shards and he, he was chewing on shards of glass and Tommy didn't even notice cause he was hot. I mean, ridiculous, but that is what it was. So I'm going to take us way, 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 way beyond that for just a little bit because it's very interesting. So the oldest known written record on cannabis comes from the Chinese emperor, Shen Nung. And I'm probably mispronouncing this, but it's N-U-N-G, Nung, in 2727 B.C. Now think about that for a second. Yeah. 2727 B.C. And he used it to prescribe cannabis-infused tea to help with treatment of gout, rheumatism, and even malaria. Even way, 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 way back then. So um, most cultures did not grow the plant to get high. They used it for for herbal medicines. Um, And if you look at a lot of history, you'll... A lot of resources showed the the Chinese emperor, they brought him up specifically. But when it comes to more records, a lot of it starts appearing in Asia around 500 BC. So we kind of, there's like a big gap there. Um, Part of that gap is probably we haven't found what was written or what was written has fallen apart at this point. Exactly. Exactly. And so um, it originally evolved in Central Asia before it was in, before it was introduced into Africa, Europe, and eventually the Americas. And it was so used for medicine, but then it was also the hemp fiber from the plant was used to make clothing, paper, sails for the boats, rope and also the seeds were used as food the seeds so yeah the seeds wow i didn't know know you could eat the seeds i'm sorry so hemp seeds um you can i mean you could then there's like some fiber in it and like some protein it it's not the same as if you like if you had seeds that you were like growing a plant for consumption right so it's 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 different in that sense um now because it was a fast-growing plant and it's very easy to cultivate it's i think for a full-grown plant it really takes maybe um well depending on climate and things like that four to six months and i mean like a six foot depending on the i mean they can get really really big Um, And so beautiful. Oh, my gosh, they're so pretty. Um, And so it was actually widely grown throughout colonial America and at Spanish missions in the Southwest. And in the early 1600s, Virginia, Massachusetts, and Connecticut colonies required farmers to grow hemp at the time in the 1600s. 
Okay, I'm going to ask because I heard a lot of stuff, you know, growing up about the hemp plant, but that supposedly made the strongest rope that mm -hmm. people use. Yes, that is what I've heard as well. And also people have made their homes out of hemp, which is, it's, it's called a hemp Crete. Um, you can look it up and it is. Um, it's similar to concrete, but it's supposedly stronger than that. And I mean, it's supposed to be very like hmm. legit. So the plant has 4 million uses. It's not just basically for one thing. It's not just for, it's not just for your body, mind, and soul. It's also for ropes and sailboats and you know clothes on your back and a lot of people the clothes on their back i mean people used it for all sorts of things to you know help with housing and farming and i'm everything so many things um and the hemp plants in the early days had very very low so it's called tetrahydro cannabidol cannabinol which is known as thc um the chemical and and that's what gives you the mind altering or the high that's the high yes um and so there's also some evidence that ancient cultures knew about the psychoactive properties of the cannabis cannabis plant and some started planting varieties of the plant to actually produce higher levels of THC um, for use in religious ceremonies or healing practice. So here where comes in okay, what we that's are talking about. like the peyote for the Native American. They used it for their, for their the, yep. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Or like ayahuasca and the Amazon, you know, things like that. Um, and also something, and I've heard this before. So, um, you could there have been burned cannabis seeds that have been found in the graves of shamans in china and siberia from as early as 500 bc wow so they would use them for rituals healings um it was you know they they would burn it at at uh funeral rites and almost like a smudging um, as a blessing. So it's kind of like an echinacea type thing that you can use for a million different things. Echinacea is like a, a basic immune system plant that you use. Oh, yeah. And that's what I mean. It really is like the, in my opinion, like the Mecca. I mean, you can honestly use it for mind, body. I mean, spirit because you can use it for spiritual aspects medicinal aspects i, I mean it, and it's here in history i mean people have been doing the same thing for thousands of years for for healings you know for medicine for food for i mean for industry building their communities all sorts of stuff to the point where the colonials were requiring the farmers to grow hemp i mean in the 1600s did your teachings take you to anything that what caused it to become illegal did you ever because i'm I've getting heard there. stories and i'm not sure I'm what getting, i heard is right 
Yes, I'm getting there. So just a couple other neat things. So there was also, and I know I'm going to mess this up, and I'm sure Lord Don would know the correct way because I love how he just always rolls off the tongue with him. Um, an ancient Greek historian named Herodotus, Herodotus, Herodotus. I don't know. It's H-R, uh, excuse me, H-E-R-O-D-O-T-U-S. Um, okay, yeah. Described as the Scythians, a large group of Iranian nomads in Central Asia. Um, inhaling, so he was said that inhaling the smoke from smoldering cannabis seeds and flowers to get high. So he was known as one. So again, finding more about the psychoactive effects. Um, now, a big thing is in the Middle East. It's a big thing in the Middle East. And this is why. So, and they, they will call it, I mean, it, it will have a lot of names. You'll hear it called, you know, pot, reefer. I mean, it goes on. But hashish, which is a purified form of cannabis smoked with a pipe, was widely used throughout the Middle East and parts of Asia about 800 A.D., um, its rise in popularity actually came about with the spread of Islam because all of the substances were illegal in the Quran, but there was never mention of cannabis. Right. No alcohol, no drug, uh, but cannabis yep. was never. Oh, that's interesting. So it was, it, it, it forbid alcohol and other intoxicating substances, but it never mentioned cannabis. So that's why it's such a big thing over there. Um, now, in the United States, marijuana was not widely used for recreational until the early 1900s. Now, what sort of came about introducing that was immigrants from Mexico coming to the United States because of the Mexican Revolution. Um, right. And that introduced recreational smoking um, to American culture. But because of massive unemployment and social unrest during the Great Depression and resentment of Mexican immigrants and public fear of the evil weed, as a result, the consist, uh, the, so this was the prohibition era, which viewed all intoxicants, um, and by 1931, 29 states had outlawed cannabis. So, because of this. Now, in 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 is what it's called. Um, it was actually the first federal U.S. law to criminalize marijuana. So what it was, it basically act, the act imposed an excise tax on the sale, possession, or transfer of all hemp products, um, effectively criminalizing all but industrial use of the plant when that went through. That was 1930, that, the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937. Now that's sort of what started it, but what really, really got things going into a nasty, ugly place um, was a little bit, was a little bit before that. Um, so there was also, 
an interesting story about that kind of ties into the act. So there was a 58 year old farmer, Samuel Caldwell, and he was the first person prosecuted under the act. He was arrested for selling marijuana on October 2nd, 1937, just one day after the act was passed. And he was sentenced to four years of hard labor. Can we say set up? Right. So, and also a lot of people don't realize even with this. So again, going back, the tax act of 1937 didn't make it illegal. It made it, so it did criminalize certain things uh, recreationally, but it was still a part of the United States pharmacopoeia um, as it, and it would be prescribed as medicine until 1942. Um, as a matter of fact, a lot of people don't know before it was a red cross for the medical sign, it was actually a green cross. Um, and it was adopted by the American Red Cross, which make it, you know, when that came about, it made it red. But it used to be green <laughs> that you see on all the hospitals and ERs and ambulances. Um, it used to be a green cross. And that always interested me, you know, being Wiccan and into my herbs and stuff. I mean, of course, I just loved that. I was like, yes, green, Mother Nature, rah. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, but the, and you could actually buy cannabis tinctures over the counter. I mean, at that time. So, I a lot of that for women's ailments. Yeah. Until the nine, yep, until the 1930s. And then the uh, Federal Bureau of Narcotics, which was, uh, came, produced or brought up by President Hoover himself, who um, familiarized himself. Oh, so this is, so that was the person who, the farmer who was arrested in the 1937. So that's when things started getting criminal. So what led to that and ugh, is the infamous Henry Anslinger. Harry Anslinger, sorry, I always call him Henry. Um, in the 1920s, he was actually the first person ever appointed as the, he was the first ever commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Um, FBN? Yeah, at the time, which was, which was created by Hoover. And he was, he familiarized himself with all the politicians with a celebrity. So he was kind of like a shoe in he was buddy, buddy with everybody at the time, you know, real, you know, in Washington insiders, uh, the, the pharmacies, the, and you know, all of pharmaceutical industry, he was, he had an in with all of these types, this hairy guy. Right. So, um, he was kind of under the gun and you'll see it a little bit. And I think it was even a little bit. And I don't know if it was in a different video or tied in with reefer madness somewhere, but what came about how this came about was the prohibition of alcohol failed was failing miserably. Yes. And he was a part of that. So he was grasping at something, grasping anything. desperately 
Exactly. Well, um, and because the original focus was on cocaine and heroin. Which was uh, very, very big in the port cities. Right. Because at the time, you know, it was during the era of prohibition. So as far as narcotics, they were focusing on cocaine and heroin. Well, the alcohol prohibition, we know what happened with that. So he was kind of under the gun and sort of panicking in a sense. So he's like, well, I got to figure something out. Like what? I got to figure something out. And so to him, marijuana was the golden ticket. He was like, yes, I'm going to, this is, I'm running with this. And he did. And what he did was, and it's really disgusting. And, and I brought this up before. The whole reason it's illegal in our country is built on, and I'm not, I'm, so I'm not going to get political on the show, but on this topic, it's hard not to be political because the reason why it's illegal is political. So, I mean, it's politics, it's legalities. Yeah. So you kind of can't not talk about it. Um, he was a racist and he used that to make it illegal. Basically, um, he used the war on drugs and he used because the Mexican immigrants brought it to the Americas. Marijuana comes from Mexico. That's not, that's not the, that's where we get that term from. Um, but that's not what, I mean, in ancient China, they never called it marijuana. I mean, that came from Mexico. So um, he, basically what he did with, so we know the war on drugs. So that was Harry Anslinger, and he basically produced it off of marijuana um, because he needed something. So he propped cannabis up as a dangerous substance, associating cannabis use with and violence in order to criminalize it. So, and he was known as quote and quoted saying, "You smoke a joint, and you're likely to kill your brother." So. It's, You're likely to kill the Twinkies. Right. And you will eat Twinkies if you're going to smoke marijuana. You will eat all the Doritos. I don't think you're going to kill your brother. So he basically... Um, villainized he, it. Yeah, he completely villainized it. He associated it with violence. Then he started associating it with race. Um I mean, it was, you, you can look him up and there's a ton of stuff you will find. And even then, even then, the, um, the, oh, so fast forwarding to 1970, as the war on drugs continued, the Controlled Substances Act came into play of 1970. This is where, so Anslinger was, so there's a distinction, right? So, and this is what we're still dealing with today. So even back in the thirties, we're still, still fighting this fight today. The difference is Anslinger's thing was criminalizing it, right? So people getting arrested and thrown into jail for it. How many times have you seen a cops episode where they're getting pulled over for week? You know what I mean? Yeah, a half an ounce of weed. Yeah. Right. Not even. 
take so, over the world with a half an ounce of weed. Right, right, right. So that's Anslinger Singh. Now, the Controlled Substances Act of 1970 is what made it federally illegal and what scheduled it as a scheduled one drug, which is the same, same as heroin, yeah, LSD, and ecstasy, and also has no medical uses and has a high potential for abuse, is what what, what was said. All righty then. We can see where that just doesn't even come close to fitting in. It, not at all. And it was signed by none other than Richard Nixon. <laughs> Tricky Dick had a part of that, huh? I remember oh, yeah. Dick. He was president. He was president and he signed it. Um, he, so he repealed the marijuana tax act and listed marijuana as a schedule one drug. Um, it was identified in the anti-drug programs like dare. We all remember the dare program in school, drug abuse, resistance, education. And that is where you heard the term, the gateway drug. Love it. If you smoke marijuana, you're going to be hooked on crack and heroin and everything under the sun, and you're going to (laughs) die, you know? And and they even started bringing those commercials back of like, um, oh my gosh, they brought it back like last year, the year before. And I was just, it was the funniest thing I ever saw in my life. It was so funny. It was great entertainment. Um, It was like two girls sitting on the couch, like girlfriends, like teenagers or early 20s. And she's like, Becky, and she's high. And then she just starts like melting into the couch into a puddle. And then she's like, uh, and then it's like, don't be like Becky. You know, it's like, and she was pissed because she couldn't like hang out with her friend and eat popcorn and watch a movie because her friend was high. (laughs) And then there was like another commercial where the mom was so upset because her son was died from marijuana. I mean, and this was stuff like as, as late as the 90s, these commercials. I have to ask. Now, see, I came in on the other end of things. Back in the 70s, I was in college. Don't mm-hmm. judge. Um, I know everybody's like, you were in college in the 70s? Yes, I was. We, <laughs> we touched on it a little bit because we were. I was in a business course, and we were discussing um, the lobbyists and how lobbyists help get things passed or stopped. So we were focused on a lobbyist, you know, and understanding where do lobbyists fit in in the political system. Mm -hmm. And our instructor brought up the fact that the Hearst family owned millions and millions of acres of forests, and they did newspapers. So they needed the forest to chop down to make the newspaper. Okay, Mm -hmm. makes sense. But they owned all this forest land. And my understanding, if I remember it right, give me a little break here. And if you planted marijuana in the same area that you planted trees in, the same, you know, dimensions, you would get four times as much paper out of the marijuana as you would get out of the the trees and the logs. Yep. And they lobbied the Hearst family paid lobbyists to tout how harmful marijuana was as a drug. Mm-hmm. Stop it. 
from being planted and harvested for paper because they owned all the forestry. Yep. So it, my instructor was telling us it was like one of the biggest lo successful lobbyist um, things that happened because the Hearst family was funneling, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into this because they owned all this forest land um, right. and they didn't want the marijuana planted because it would basically nullify their forest because yeah. four times as much. So the trees would be four times as expensive. So they wouldn't get the value out of it. And the exactly. forest. Now, did you, did you come across that or did I remember that incorrectly? No, I've heard that story. I, I didn't come across it in my research this time because I'm just, I'm of the way that I was kind of doing my timeline, but, but yeah, I've heard that story as well. And sort of going back to your point and talking about growing, just briefly touching on that subject um, and talking about how we were briefly talking about the medical earlier, you know, it's, you can't grow them in even medical states. Um, yes, you, you're as part of your garden or your medicine. And that's another part of the flaw because, you know, they're not, the state's not going to make all that money if you're growing your own stuff. But right. the recreational place, I mean, because let's face it, if you make it recreational, uh, a lot of people are going <laughs> to, I won't say yeah, everyone, a, lot a lot of people, you know what I mean? So they kind of, it makes up for it in a sense. But going back to the whole, um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, that's the joke. And you know, everyone's like, Oh, it's so bad for you. It kills your brain cells. I mean, how many times have you heard that you're going to be lose all your brain cells and be dumb. Yeah. And then you have the stereotype of the stoner, but going to the war on drugs in 1972. So that was passed in 1970 in 1972, a report from the national commission on marijuana and drug abuse, also known as the Schaefer commission, released a titled a report a report titled marijuana a signal of misunderstanding the report recommended partial prohibition and lower penalties for possession of small amounts of marijuana nixon and other government officials ignored the report's findings so going back to your point it's just an all because they signed this act you know, it's all it's all politics. That's the only reason why it's legal. There's no evidence that it's bad for you. And as a matter of fact, um, there was something that I found. Um, let me see. I think it was there was a 